What's up, Irish fans? Locked on Irish podcast coming your way right now, Monday edition. It's a brand new week. Make sure you're following us out there on Twitter, at Locked on Irish, on Facebook, at Locked on Irish. Any podcast app you can find, make sure that you are get grabbing that, downloading it, whatever you got to do to find us out there. Remember, that is Locked on Irish, the official Notre Dame podcast on the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. This is Greg Schaefer. You're coming your way, your lead host. In here today is uh, Mark Hissom with me. What's up, buddy? What's going on, man? Go Irish. Absolutely. Go Irish indeed. And we got a couple uh, uh, Irish grads doing pretty well in this uh, NFC Championship game right now. McGlinchey and Sheldon Day getting a little time as well. Oh, yeah. Looking good. Yeah, they are. They are. And we're going to start off with that that real quick. We also got coming up today, we're going to talk... Looks like they're going to look at an extension for Brian Kelly, potentially. Jack Swarbrick's trying to work something out there. We're going to get uh, Mr. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Mr. Hissom's thoughts on Tommy Rees being officially the offensive coordinator. Javon McKinley seeking a fifth year and might have a little continuity on the offensive line going into next season. But we'll start with this Super Bowl matchup. Uh, it is a Monday edition of Locked on Irish, but we are recording on a Sunday evening as the Niners look to be finishing off the Packers. It's about five minutes to go, 34-20 lead. Uh, this one came as a surprise to me. Did you uh, think the Niners would run away with it like this? Um, I mean, if history goes to show this year, then yeah. But um, you said 34-20? I haven't watched it like the last five minutes. Oh, yeah, it's 34-20 to right now. See, you're, 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 you're locked in. <laughs> awesome. Well, I was sitting here waiting for you to call me, so yeah, I missed the, the last there, five minutes. There's, there is all that. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, I yeah, I guess I did. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know, man. I can't stand Aaron Rodgers, so yeah, I was hoping for it. Uh, I'm with you, man. As a Bears fan, I, they, I take great pleasure in this, no matter who it was playing against them. But as they say, you know, styles make a fight. And earlier this season, I think the final was something like, was it 31-8 to eight or something like that? They blew away the Packers earlier this year. So I, it's just a bad matchup. They ran all over yeah. them today. I mean, all oh, yeah. over them. I mean, it's it's ugly and it's crazy. It still is crazy to me that Matt Lafleur is the head coach, former quarterback coach at Notre Dame for uh, the Packers. Doesn't that still blow your mind a little bit? Yeah. Yes. But McGlinchey looks like a mauler out there today. That guy, he is an incredible player. I mean, we. I, I don't know. I don't think we got hit, hit the potential out of him that he actually had because he seemed to have a lot of trouble with pass rushers, uh, really fast pass rushers on the edge and, um, when he was at Notre Dame. Didn't you think so? Yeah, but, I mean, it's all about development. I mean, they, don't, they spent such a short amount of time at school, you know, so yeah. I mean, obviously the NFL's done well. Yeah, yeah, in developing him. And I'll tell you what, earlier this week I did my the, some of the worst takes I ever had, and that included Joe Burrow should just go to Athens, to Ohio University, to finish his career out. That, that uh, statement didn't age well. Uh, Kyrie Irving, <laughs> I said they should take Derek Williams, number one, over Kyrie Irving. That didn't do well either. And then uh, when I said one of my first podcasts, I said that uh, Kyle Shanahan may never have another shot at a Super Bowl ring again after how they blew the the Falcons blew that lead against uh, the Patriots. So I'm not doing yeah. looking too good. I'm not. I might get no, fired. <laughs> I think nobody pays us to talk about this. Stuff. Right. Exactly. Um, but you know what, man? You should see Raheem Mostert has ran for 221 yards. I knew it was a lot, but whew, in the NFL, 221 yards. Yeah, four that touchdowns. is insane. Yeah, four touchdowns. Uh, Garoppolo's done nothing. Six of eight for seven. Good night, 
Six didn't of, have to. Yeah, six of eight for 77 yards. That's it. And Rodgers is actually thrown for 310 in this game. Yeah. Now, I will say uh, that. I mean, I knew that was going to happen at the end. I just hope that uh, they don't make it look too good. Yeah, but a win's a win. and uh, But Rodgers <laughs> thrown for 310. I mean, you, you look at that stat, thir- he's 30 of 36, so really efficient. 310, two touchdowns. You would think, if you look at that and you didn't know the score, you're like, all oh, the Packers are blowing this team away. Oh, yeah, for sure. I was watching Sheldon Day because I, man, I just I loved Sheldon at Notre Dame. I mean, he was an all energy guy. I really loved his mom. If you ever seen his mom out there in the stands or doing the player walk, man, she was that. Yeah. That was you knew who her baby was when he was coming through there. Oh uh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I remember senior day. Yeah, yeah, she was a proud mom. That's for sure. But uh, you know, a little undersized, and they've actually moved him. You know, more inside. He's playing a hundred percent D tackle right now, not even really touching the ends. And, uh, you know, he, he's filling in nicely. Um, it's interesting they have him starting, but it just doesn't look like he's able to get the push necessary to really create havoc in there. But I'm happy for him. I mean, he that's great. He's hanging on this roster. Oh, yeah, and he's playing. Yeah, I mean, you can't go wrong with that. He's playing more than you and I are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Did you have much faith in him coming out of uh, Notre Dame as far as an NFL player? Oh, man, I, I want to say yes. Um, I mean, obviously, there's always doubt. You know, it's like a, this thing about, you know, Louis Nix. Yeah, I thought for sure that guy was going to be a beast, you know, in, in the NFL. Uh, just clogging up the middle forever. Yeah. And he didn't last very long. But then you look at it. You know, it was kind of, a, you know, it was a great college player, and he was laid back. And I'm like, man, is that really going really to translate in the NFL? Yeah. I mean, he's turned on a completely different switch. So, yeah, I mean, Sheldon Day was, you know, he was that type of guy. In college, I mean, you know, coaches love it. Yeah, and I will say that you mentioned Lewis Nix. I'm glad you did because he came in right around the time that, I mean, he was kind of at the tail end of when the game's starting to change a little bit. And and let's call a spade a spade. He was he was just a run clogger. You know, he wasn't very he, – he had a quick first step, but he's not going to get a bunch of sacks. He's literally there to stuff the, stuff the line of scrimmage and create havoc along the line of scrimmage. And these guys don't play like that anymore. I mean – uh, there, you just don't stick a, a big, uh, you know, let's lack of a better term, fat guy in, on the line and just hope to clog up lanes. These guys are athletic down there. Unless you're the Steelers. The Steelers will still do it. Oh, <laughs> but they don't just do that anymore. These guys are, I mean, these defensive linemen are just as athletic as your linebackers now. Yeah, it's ridiculous. The de- defensive ends or defensive linemen are running the 40s that you know tight ends ran yeah 10 years ago yeah i mean we've seen it we talked about you know i hated ever how that happened i hated it but during the bowl game somehow jameer jones a backup dn ended up guarding downfield iowa state's best wide receiver and i mean this is what these guys are expected to do these dns are expected to drop in coverage and i mean even kurt heinish has dropped in coverage a couple times i know that's your guy so i had to call it out there Hey, he can do everything. <laughs> Those Pittsburgh guys, they can do anything, right? I love that guy. <laughs> I oh, love man. that guy. All, all energy all day long, <laughs> that's for sure. So earlier today, the uh, Chiefs pretty much just wiped up the floor with uh, Tennessee. They really just outlasted Tennessee. Tennessee got out early. I didn't see much shelf life to that that particular style. I mean, Derrick Henry's been had a nice end of the season. He's rushed for like thirteen or fourteen hundred yards in his last nine games. I mean, really, it's it's stopping a big running back one hundred and one, getting him to turn his shoulders laterally, and that's what exact pretty much what they needed to do, and they did it. and And Patrick Mahomes is a video game. <laughs> yeah, stopping Henry that was that was into the, the game for for the Titans. I mean, it's. 
I don't know. You know, it's kind of like kind of how we kind of looked at, you know, throwing the ball to open up the run this year. And I think the Titans, I mean, if they could have got him back on track, a different ball game for sure, because they, they look pretty good to start. Yeah, they did. They did. They got out early. And I will say one thing, though, man, they, the Chiefs, they've had two slow starts in a row, down 24 nothing to the Texans, and then they got down 10 nothing to the Titans. They cannot do that against this Niners team. I mean, we'll... No, 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 no. Niners defense is a whole different uh whole different caliber that they've seen so far. Yeah, they haven't played anything like the Niners defense in the playoffs. The Texans aren't it and uh the Titans sure as hell aren't it, that's for sure. No, so I mean obviously I mean, you know, this NFL, I mean this any given Sunday. Absolutely. I mean, they can they can come out and be up, you know, twenty points themselves next week and then now that happens, Niners are gonna be in trouble. Yeah. I agree. I'm not that. I'll be honest with you, man. I know they're getting to the Super Bowl, and I know his record as a starter, but I'm not a huge fan of Garoppolo. I, I just don't. I don't know what it is about him. I just don't see that. I don't. When I look at him, I don't see elite quarterback for whatever reason. Yeah, I, don't, I can't help you there much, man. I'm an AFC guy. I really don't watch the NFC unless I have to. Um, <laughs> so I mean, I really don't. I haven't seen this guy play all year except for one Pittsburgh. Game. And I'll be honest with you, I haven't really seen him much either, other than following this team, hoping for the, an epic, another epic Super Bowl party, a, a run it back party six years later. Because they and it's not. I mean, I try to watch all I can, but I don't have the NFL package. They've priced me out on that. And um, they play on the West Coast, so unless they're in prime time, I don't really get to see much of them. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't even carry uh, Sunday ticket anymore, man. It's ridiculous. It's so expensive, so freaking expensive. So let's pay the expenses, and we'll get to this Brian Kelly extension right after this. Welcome back into Locked On Irish Podcast. A very special welcome in to some of our new listeners who we've kind of expanded our reach a little bit. We've been asked by Brian Driscoll, Irish Maven on Sports Illustrated, to go ahead and start posting our shows and have a nice little partnership with Sports Illustrated and Brian. And Brian's a great guy. We had him on the show, just a wealth of information. So we want to thank Brian for uh, you know letting us expand and try to help us grow a little bit because, again, the Twitter page is suffering. Help us crack this code. Somebody help us crack this code. But, uh, yeah, just welcome in to everybody. That, uh, I guess there's thousands upon thousands of people that surf through the Irish Maven community. So we look forward to interacting with all of you, and we look forward to you telling us when we're wrong, very wrong, many times. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, don't be shy. Yeah, don't for sure. Don't be shy. We're, we're all for healthy debate. That's for sure. That is for sure. So, uh, yeah, Brian Kelly looking at, uh, Jack Swarbrick looking at extending Brian Kelly through 2023. That'll get us through the Ohio State games. What's your initial thought? Oh, yes. I'm excited, <laughs> man. I'm super stoked. Yeah. Okay. Super stoked. So you're, you're a big Kelly fan then, right? I, I've always, I've, I've never, we've never really discussed this. We, we're best friends. You're like my brother. And I've never really t- just straight up asked you your thoughts on Brian Kelly. I, I love him. Um, and I mean, he's had, it's obviously he's had a tough time. Yeah. But I mean, if you think about it, he does well for Notre Dame, the student athlete. Yeah. Um, which is great for Notre Dame. That's part of why we love Notre Dame. So, you know, the recruiting has been on point. I mean, it's, I'm super excited. I mean, if he's here for 2025 minimum, uh, get these guys and he's got coming in over the next couple of years, get them through all four of their seasons, man, who knows? I mean, he could be, I mean, I hate to say this out loud, but I'm going to, we could have a chance of running, you know, between 2022 to 2025. You're not be, wrong. be in the playoffs every year. 
The current contract runs through 2021. Jack Swarbrick's looking to add two years on to it. And I think I, th- I like where your head's at there because 2023, yeah, it's not that far away. And if we are, I mean, the recruiting shows and we're not trying to be homers here. I think we're probably the last people to be considered homers. But the point is, is it's like with what is coming in in the recruiting classes, if we're just rolling, Let's just hypothetically go with it that's, that we're at Clemson's level by 2023. I don't think Kelly walks away from that. Do you? Hell no. I mean, that's what but, I see him building right now. These recruiting cl- That's what's kept him his job. In 2016, when it was so bad, you know, you're eight years in at that point. You, It's time. Like, actually, he should have been fired, but he corrected some of his ways. He brought Elko in. He brought Clark Lee in. He brought in Chip Long, which didn't work out in the end. But for the time being, I mean, we had, you know, some of the best offensive statistic numbers that we'd had in years. Um, And then the recruiting, you had to fall back on the recruiting and he had a chance to correct some things. And he's really the best coach. I mean, there's no debate. He's the best coach we've had since Lou. There's no debate. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I still think if you're going to hire a coach right now, if Notre Dame had a vacancy and Brian Kelly was available, you're hiring Brian Kelly. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. I mean, they always say make sure that the used car you're driving isn't the best one on the road when you're looking for cars. And I mean, it's kind of true when you're when talking about Kelly. Now, does he have his shortcomings? A hundred percent. And that's where I wanted to get into this Tommy Reese thing being one of his shortcomings is it drives me nuts. And I, I discussed it on Friday's show and I'll probably beat this dead horse till Tommy brings us a title as an OC. But it was a lazy hire, in my opinion. It was a lazy hire because Chuck Kelly has a real problem hiring, in my opinion, has uh, trouble hiring people that's going to challenge him. He always gets these kind of yes men, gets the convenient hire in, and it drives me nuts. I understand what you're saying, but I'm going to come in on the other side of this one. Because at first I was like, man, if Tommy Reese has been calling plays for the last, you know, three or four weeks, uh, I'm not seeing much of a difference. But you also got to think, I mean, they're not going to put a whole new scheme in in the middle, you know, the, for three weeks. True. Now they may have tried before, for the for the bowl game, but I also read somewhere that there was a big blow up after the Michigan game, and basically Tommy's been kind of the guy since then. But I'm not, I'm not sure if that's true or not. Yeah. But I, if you listen to other, if you listen to other people talk. Uh, you heard Robbie Robbie Thomas comments. Talk, hear Brady Quinn talk about Tommy Reese. I'm actually excited about Tommy Reese. I think Tommy Reese again. He is a Notre Dame guy. Yeah. Now he is. A, he was a coaching a coaching quarterback. Yeah. It was kind of like the catcher on the field. You know, the guy that, that kind of knows what's going on, knows how to to make things happen. I mean, because obviously his his talent didn't get him where he was. Right. So he's got to be he's got to be smart. He's got to be a good decision maker. And I, I think, you know, just talk, listen to what all these people are saying about him. He really has respect from the program. Yeah. You know, from, from, the, from the players. I just that's not easy to get. True. And I, I would take Brady Quinn's Robbie Thomas is irrelevant to me. It means nothing because it would be like me touting you as a head coach or a position. Yeah, but not really. I mean, you're not going to you're not going to go out there and make me look like a, you know, make me look better than I am. 
just for the hell of it. Oh, I, you know, I if think I fall flat on my face, it's gonna make you look like an idiot. I think I would. I'd fall on that sword for you. <laughs> I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't do it for you. <laughs> I appreciate no, that. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely there's definitely a lot of hype around it, and there's a lot of people in the know that think this is a great hire. But uh, the where I come from on it is he's only 27, and he's only been coaching for what three or four years, and he was played for Kelly. And then he coached with Kelly all but one season of his coaching career, where when he, the first year he was with Northwestern, which wasn't exactly a offensive juggernaut. And that's what concerns me, is every little step of his way is going to be Kelly's way, essentially. Now, I don't know what he, what else he's possibly learned in the off-seasons or what who else he's bounced ideas off of, but that's, that's kind of the things that scare me, because we know what a Coach Kelly's uh, play called, uh, when he calls the plays and he runs the offense... We're not happy with it. We weren't happy with it before, and we weren't happy with it when Chip Long's offense started to look like the Kelly ran offense. No, I agree. I, I think uh, I think we'll be surprised. I think we'll be pleasantly surprised. I think um, I, now, you know, now he's got you know he's got the uh, his names on it. Mm-hmm. It's going to be uh, you know it's going it's going to look a lot different. Now I'm not saying that he wouldn't have been a choice at all. Uh, my biggest issue is you had two seasoned. Uh, coordinators out there and this is just the Kelly MO of just hiring his buddies the Van go look no further than Van Gorder and Dembrock and, and Chuck Martin and uh, Paul Longo the strength and conditioning coach hiring his homies over the years and his buddies and not really challenge bringing somebody in with the potential to challenge him and I'm speaking of Joe Moorhead and Mark Helfrich now Helfrich's offenses Oregon never ticked better. However, when they faced more physical teams, i.e. Stanford, Ohio State, they they sputtered. So that would have been a concern of mine. Uh, Moorhead, I guess the thing with him was, for me, is, you know, if you're hiring Rees right after the bowl game, I'm in. You know, it was what it was. I kind of expected it. But when he delayed the hire several weeks and then... They claimed Moorhead was had an interview, and the day he was supposed to interview, basically, Rees got hired, the interview never happens, and it was just a done deal. So that's kind of where my frustration with it lies. I don't even feel like they tried. Yeah, but I mean, we really don't know. I mean, it's, we you don't. know, we, we're, Notre Dame's an equal opportunity employer, so you got to give everyone, everyone a fair shake, but we don't know why they didn't hire him either. You True. Know, I mean, who knows what happened behind you know behind closed doors? What was said or yeah. what somebody wanted or didn't want? I mean, and, and, and we not, don't pay our we don't pay our assistants the way that Alabama does or Ohio State. You know, it's just we don't. Well, that's why Elko left. I mean, that's that was unfortunate. But I mean, what what Texas A and M is shelling out? I mean, okay, so ten years, seventy five million for Jimbo, and I think they made Elko one of the highest defensive, highest paid defensive coordinators in the country. When you're shelling out that type of money, anything less than two national titles in ten years is is a failure, in my opinion. Yeah, I I understand that, but you know, again, you know, Notre Dame. I I know we're talking about Notre Dame football, but Notre Dame is not just a football school. So you know, I don't know if that was me or you. So if it was me, I apologize. No, you're but, good, man. <laughs> Um, you know, there, there's a lot of other things that go into the mix. Yeah, that I, I don't, I don't want to see go away. I know that's a huge topic of conversation and debate between you know all of us boomers and all you young guys over tradition versus you know new, you know trying to change things up, modernize things. But that's one thing I, I don't want to ever see go away from Notre Dame because that's what, as far as I'm concerned, that's what makes sets Notre Dame apart, makes Notre Dame special. Which part specifically? The, 
the academics just oh yeah, yeah. no no no, no. I'm, I'm with you there i don't think they should drop standards no i don't think that all of a sudden overnight we need to become like saint john's or something like that it, it is in basketball i mean i know that's a private catholic school and i've heard it's difficult to get into but i, I mean we're on our test went to saint john's so let's chill out on that right <laughs> yeah but i mean it's a it's a but it's a it's a it takes teamwork and it takes you know, the, the head coach and the students just aren't going to get that done. I mean, this, you got to have the right people in the right spots throughout the entire program to make sure that that, that that happens. Absolutely. And speaking of people in the right spots, it sounds like we may have some people in the right spot on our offensive line. Let's talk about it right after this. What's up, guys? Last segment, Locked On Irish Podcast. Your team every day on the Locked On Podcast Network. So it sounds like we have some guys coming back. The, the picture's becoming a little more clear on Notre Dame's fifth-year guys and pretty much everybody that we thought, everybody that's announced one way or another, it's pretty much a done deal. Liam Eikenberg had talked about earlier this year, along with Cole Komet, they were both coming back. Of course, Cole is going to the NFL after he got his grades back. Liam, by all indications, is, I would say at this point, it's almost too late to declare. And so we should have all five of our offensive line back, linemen back. Uh, what's your initial thoughts on getting all five linemen back, all five starters? Uh, man, I want to say thank God, but I mean, to be honest with you, I mean, after this past season, I have no idea if that's a good thing or not at this point. I know. I thought that too. I mean, it's going to come down to what, how they develop in the off season. Like, what are we going to do? Are we going to, if it's stay status quo, then no, I think we almost need some new blood in there or we need a new offensive line yeah. coach. I don't know if Quinn is the answer, but you know what? I don't know if he stand was the answer. All I see is Harry, he stands available. We need to go get him. We need to go get him. I, I mean, with... Who knows? Jeff Quinn might have had the same level of success if he had Quentin Nelson and Mike McClinchy. Yeah, I don't know, man. I mean, this if they're all back together next year is what the sec would only be the second year that they've played together. Yeah, as one line. So I mean, th th that should be that should be their prime time. So if they're all healthy, they stay healthy. It should be a great thing. I mean, continuity is always good on yeah. the offensive line when you can get it. Um, and just look at the NFL. I mean, they can't even plug somebody in when someone gets hurt. I mean, it's, it changes the whole dynamic. So, obviously, we had our, we had struggles. Um, but again, you know, I'm not going to blame that 100 percent on the lines either. I'm gonna, you know, I don't think we. I hate to say this, man. I'm talking about play calling all the time. I mean, we set ourselves up for disaster way too much. Our third down efficiency was terrible. Yeah. We can How? I mean, what are you supposed to do? I mean, these mm -hmm. guys are. You know, we're throwing the ball all the time. Yeah. Yeah. I don't disagree. And then some of the, just some of the, like the stretch plays and not running any power. Now I did like kind of getting a tight end into the backfield as another blocker, almost to act as a fullback. Um, you know, we essentially have two NFL caliber offensive linemen coming back and that's a big deal. You know, Eichenberg, yeah. he was, he was going to be drafted. Uh, Tommy Kramer was going to be drafted. I mean, before the season, Kramer had first round, some first round grades, depending upon what publication you looked at. And we're going to be faster. You look at Tyree, you look at a guy like Sebo Flemister and Jafar Armstrong and Jameer Smith. I'd say, I'd venture to say that Tony Jones was the, was the slowest of our running backs. And he's not, oh, yeah. he's not back. You've got Kyron Williams who took a red shirt. You got Avery Davis, who we still don't know how to use him coming back. And then you look at our wide receivers. I mean, pfft. You look at Lindsey, you look at uh, Keys. I mean, Kevin Austin is going to be back. He got this uh, Skoranek from uh, Northwestern. And now, speaking of wide receivers, uh, Javon McKinley seeking a fifth year, which is something we really didn't expect. Um, thoughts on J Javon McKinley getting a fifth? 
Did, did, did they give it to him? They have not given it to him yet, but okay. by all indications from the talk a couple weeks ago, it was like he's pretty much gone. Pretty much done deal. Well, he's going to be gone. And now the word on the street is, and uh, several publications have released, he is going to be seeking a fifth year. Well, that that's great. I mean, if he could, if he could be healthy, he's – He's a good player. I mean, he's a good receiver. Yeah. He just hasn't had he just hasn't had to put a season together. Hasn't I mean, put think a... about it, you know. Yeah, I mean this this year he, you know, he had some bright spots. He did. He did. Unfortunately, those bright spots were against like New Mexico and Bowling Green. He blocked well against Duke, but again, ugh, Duke was not that good this year. Um yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not against it. He's 6 foot 2, 220 pounds. He looks bigger than that actually. Um I know. And, and, you know, with the speed that we have at wide receiver, it'd be nice to have a bigger, kind of thicker body out there. I'm also excited about Micah Jones. Man, when he first came in as a true freshman, he's 6'5", like 205 or something like that, and now he's up to about 220. I want to see if yeah. this guy can climb his way up the depth chart. I mean, I'm, I'm excited about this wide receiving core. And then we throw in your guy, Michael Mayer, at tight end. I mean, whew. Oh, my God. Here's the thing, though. and I was thinking about this earlier. Um we had the the names, you know. We had the you know, obviously Claypool. So it's Claypool, commit guy. I get the ball. I mean, I I guarantee, I swear, we just we just limited ourselves by only trying to get the ball to those guys. Now you get a bunch of guys in here that we don't know what they can do yet, and then we got to spread the ball out, and then we work with what works best for us. You know, what what do we do really well? Yeah, exactly. And it's not just Claypool or commit or. You know, obviously, when uh, Armstrong got hurt, it was Tony Jones all day. But uh, I don't know, man. I think I, I mean the the upside to what we have coming back next year is great. Absolutely, absolutely. And speaking of spreading it around, if you're a locked, if you've been a listener of this podcast, I'm sure you've heard of all the great advertisers that's been working with Locked On to reach sports fans. But you may not know that Locked On Irish is a great way for your local business to reach passionate Notre Dame fans just like you. Unlike any other podcast, Locked On gives you your local company the unique ability to reach local podcast listeners. Not just any podcast listener, a Locked On podcast listener. If your company wants to connect with Notre Dame fans and a predominantly male audience that's well-educated, not us, not the guys hosting, of course, with disposable income, then let's put your company right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Local fans love to support local businesses. Text the word advertising to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcast.com slash advertising and let us know who you are. We'll get your our team to help your team achieve Locked On advertising success. Once again, text the word advertising to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcast.com slash advertising. We definitely look forward to hearing you. And if you're looking to sponsor this show, I mean, Notre Dame is nationwide. Hissom, you've talked about it before. I mean, you don't have worldwide. to be a you don't have to be a, a company in South Bend to hop on with this podcast to reach fans. I mean, that is one no, advantage. You that is one advantage you have to jump it on with the Locked On Irish podcast because we're. I mean, go anywhere. We can pack a stadium out anywhere. We're going to Dublin, Ireland. Notre Dame's played in Tokyo before. I mean, you look at the front end of this schedule. We're talking about next year and how excited we are for the upside of it. We have. Five games in the most prestigious stadium in college football. We have three games in pro stadiums and one game in Dublin, Ireland. Come on, man. 
Yeah, and if you count Pitt, oh, that's Heinz Field as well. Yeah, yeah, that, that was, I was I was counting them. <laughs> oh, were you? Yeah. Hey, but yeah, just talking about that, you know, like and the advertising for for through Locked On and with Notre Dame, you know, we 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 should be giving shouts out to the people who follow us all all over the world because Notre Dame is worldwide and we have fans tuning in all over the world. We're I mean, big numbers in Australia, Canada, yeah, and then you know, spread out. You name it, somebody's listening. Yeah, and we, me and Mark, we run, well, Mark mostly, I just tag along and say I help run it. The uh, Notre Dame Club of Columbus, mm-hmm. we are the uh, the number, I mean, I, I, longest running, as far as I know, longest running game watch parties of any club of of Notre Dame, alumni, fan club, anything like that. I mean, we have a, over, what is it, 200 alumni groups and several other fan clubs in multiple countries, multiple cities. And we have the longest running one. So you want to jump on and advertise with us, please jump on. And we'd love to work with you guys because next season, I think we're in for something special next year. I mean, you alluded to it. I posted our first post on the Irish Maven section of uh, Sports Illustrated. And I just talked about actually, and me and you've talked about this before, that the, uh, you know, the more difficult games don't necessarily carry the name brand next year. No, but all we got to do is win. We win, we're good. Yep, and we get in our opportunity to have a crack at Clemson, and I think Clemson's probably going to come to South Bend undefeated, and we're going to get our shot. Now, they had big news this weekend as Travis ATN's coming back, which kind of sucks, but uh, I think JOK, I think he's going to have a great opportunity. I, I can't wait to see those two coming off the edge, head going head-to-head against each other because uh, Carmelo is going to be one of my favorite players next year. Yeah, I think, uh, I mean... <sighs> Clemson was, or um, what's his face? Lawrence was exposed a little bit in the game. Uh, it'll give you an idea of what what he can and can't do. So, I mean, obviously, he's going to work on that in the offseason and, and hopefully not perfect it. But it, at it, least it not for one night. <laughs> yeah, it gives us a game. It gives him a, a game plan. Well, you know what, though? With the way that schedule shapes up, I'm not even going to lie to you. I hope Clemson is undefeated because if that's this schedule is as bad as I think it's going to be, I hope to God they're undefeated because otherwise we're not going to have any kind of chance for a signature win. I think Wisconsin takes a huge step back. I, I think Arkansas will come back at some point. It ain't going to be next year because they were, in my opinion, that was the worst team in Power 5 last year, and their uh, recruiting class was ranked 106th in the country. They ain't getting better in t- two weeks next year. Navy. No, our schedule sucks, man. Hopefully, uh, yeah, we, we need to beat Clemson. Hand, I mean, we need to beat them bad. Yeah. Yeah, Wake Forest scares me because I'll tell you what, they got a quarterback that can sling it, and then uh, Sage Surratt is a hell of a uh, wide receiver who will challenge our corners. I mean, we're young at corner. We have a Frankenstein at corner with Sean Crawford, who I love the kid, but he's pieced together at this point, and we're going to hold our breath every week hoping he doesn't fall apart. And then you got Tariq. He's practically brand new. By yeah. The time he, by, by, yeah, I mean, he's good to go. Yeah, he's good to go now, right? There's nothing else we can injure. Uh, Tariq Bracey, while his stock is rising, he's still not, you know, an elite corner yet. And then we have a bunch of young guys and, you know, that it's kind of scary. And with a guy like Surratt, we're, you know, we have to have a safety over the top. Now, the good thing about a team like Wake is they're not going to be as deep as we are. You know, we can take a, a team like Wake, you find that weapon that they do have, you take it away and you pretty much, you should be good to go in my opinion. Yeah. And Kyle Hamilton will be on the field. True. Every play. True enough. And I'm excited. Man, I, I am so excited about Pryor. I can't tell you how excited I am to see I know, me too, man. He better not let me down. I know. I, I mean, it would be just like a high state to give us something like that, wouldn't it? It's just a total just wreck. <laughs> just blowing coverage <laughs> everywhere, doing the Tom Zabikowski chasing wide receivers into the end zone. Like, 
Ugh. Uh, don't even say that. <laughs> I, I, I know. I love Tom, though, but I will say when we played the more elite competition, I, I never, I just always noticed number nine chasing the wide receiver into the end zone. He was close. <laughs> yeah, man, that's just bad angles. It's better than Gary Gray, man. That guy, God, he drove me nuts. Oh, yeah, Gary Gray. You know, though, who was one of, when I did our all decade team, somebody I went back and I watched some tape on who was, and I put him on the team as, as a 1A and 1B was uh, Robert Blanton was a stud, man, at corner. Oh, yeah, man. He was great. And he was physical. Like, when he would come up for – he was actually almost better at uh, stuffing and coming and helping with the run, actually. That was what he really yeah. impressed me when I went back and watched some film of him. Yeah, I miss – man, I swear to you. I mean, I hate talking about cornerback, man, because we have no one to really talk about, and it drives me nuts. Yep. I, I don't understand how we have such a big hole there, but we do. Yep. But these guys are going to have to battle it out this year, and it should be real interesting. So that'll do it for this Monday edition of Locked on Irish. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I hope some of our new followers and listeners on uh, the Irish Maven page really enjoyed it. Uh, tomorrow we will be getting to a Syracuse preview. We'll talk some hoops. Um, talk about – I want to get into something with the Big East that really surprised me. I was watching over the weekend. I love Big East basketball, and we're going to talk about some – some recruiting issues potentially with Mike Bray over the last X amount of years that he's been at Notre Dame and, of course, uh, preview Syracuse. So remember, follow us at Locked On Irish on Facebook, at Locked On Irish on Twitter, and listen to us on any podcast app. So until next time, go Irish.